Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. For nearly 50 years, chemical engineer and inventor Maria Telkish applied her prodigious intellect into harnessing the power of the sun. She designed and built the world's first successfully solar-heated modern residence and identified a promising new chemical that for the first time could store solar heat like a battery. And yet along the way, she was undercut and thwarted by her boss and colleagues, all men from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Despite these obstacles, Telkish persevered, and upon her death in 1995, she held more than 20 patents. Amazing woman, an amazing story. The film is called The Sun Queen, and it will be premiering on PBS's American Experience on April 4th. Please check your local listing, and really uh, an amazing story about someone I had no idea existed, and thank you to our guest today, Amanda Pollock, as well as Gene Tempest. Uh, Amanda is the director and producer, and Gene is the writer and producer. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank, thank you so you. much for having us. Thank you so much. Again, I'll say it again. Thank you for uh, for introducing me to Maria. Gene, I'll assume because you are the writer, when did you find out about Maria? How did you discover her? And what prompted you into what we see in, in, in this film, The Sun Queen? Well, I, 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 we're in this unique position, actually, where um, American Experience approached us with um, Maria's story. And they had the idea they wanted to make a film about this woman um, and her research into early solar. So Amanda and I discovered her um, basically you know, through a phone call with the executive producing team, uh, Cameo George and Susan Bellows there. And uh, and then from there, um, you know, we really got into our our research phase and, and had a chance to to dig a lot more deeply. But that was the initial introduction. And Amanda, had you ever heard of Maria before this, or what was your sort of what was your reaction when you're hearing about her for the first time? Yeah, I did not know um, Telkish's story at all. Um, we've worked a lot for American Experience. I've actually worked on several films about scientific work that maybe was not the most well known. And I always think it's really interesting to delve into these stories and to sort of look at the nitty gritty of how of how innovation comes about, whether it's around how are we going to get into space and looking at efforts that were happening in the 50s with with hot air balloons, to how are we going to harness the power of the sun? What kinds of um, technologies do we have to figure out in order to make that possible? So I like these kinds of stories, but we, the last films that Jean and I had collaborated on, we did a series called The Great War about World War One, and we worked on a four-hour series about William Randolph Hearst, which are both these kind of like very well-known big American stories. When we started to sort of dig into Maria Telkish, it was a challenge. Um, at first, it was kind of daunting because not only is she someone who maybe is not a household name, but 
as part of that, there weren't a lot of people who could really talk about her. There's not the big biography that's been written about her. There's not a tremendous amount of archival material available for her or that was at least like obviously available. And the work of making this film was a little bit more of primary source research than I think we're used to typically. Um, And at first that was a little daunting and then it actually became really fun. Am I exaggerating, overstating this to say that in some way she's been erased from history? I I think that's a really interesting question because, you know, the more we looked into this film and, and, you know, if you watch or if your listeners are able to watch, you realize how present she was the first time through. I mean, this is a woman who caught the attention of the world, you know, and is in headlines, uh, not just here in the United States, but globally as well. I mean, she really was the face of the solar movement in the 1940s and 50s. So erased, I'm not so sure. I think um, we forgot about solar. I mean, the, the, the movement that she represented in some ways, I think, it's almost like the baton never got picked up. It's like she it's mm-hmm. like one of the things that was so amazing was to actually look back and look at the solar movement going, you know, back to the 1880s um, and, you know, the 1920s and 30s. And you see these solar water heaters on houses and all sorts of things. And she really came up in that kind of um, wave of enthusiasm for alternative forms of energy and this idea of conservation. And and so you look and you realize, oh my God, we've totally been here before. And um, her passion, her vision was all about harnessing the power of the sun. And she had the kind of wind at her back for a while. And yeah, as as Jean is saying, like the the press about her was amazing. The title, The Sun Queen, comes from an article about her because she Mm -hmm. was all over the place. But then it's like, it's not so much that she got erased as like the ground just fell out from under all of that. And suddenly the world was no longer focused on solar and didn't care about these questions. And so her work kind of went unrecognized. There's a couple of things that come to mind in that, in what you just said for me. And that is, I had no idea that there was a solar movement, a solar technology that far back. I, I just assumed it was something that kind of came out of the space age, the from the 50s moving forward, that sort of this new technology was coming into play. We were f- figuring out how to use it. And the other thing I kept thinking about when I was watching it, and it harkens to what you said as well, that there was this whole earth catalog kind of mm-hmm. culture that was around for hundreds of years in America, right? Going back kind of this self-made prairie living, you had to figure out things for yourself. For And that technology and that sort of way of life got passed down for a long, long time. And it feels like that's kind of in this mix of the solar, the solarization, the solar technologies of that early time. Mm-hmm. And does that sound, does that resonate with yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that we were we were super interested in. I mean, basically, like the the story, you have this really compelling lead character in Maria Telkish right at the heart of it, but it allows us to do this bigger and broader history at the same time. And I think what we could easily have have gotten wrong, and I think is so different about that 
that big first solar wave is that, you know, for the most part, we're not talking about people who are trying to save the world for environmental reasons, you know, like the power, the dream of harnessing the sun that first time through. And I think it's important for us to remember today is that it was about energy independence to a certain extent, you know, and, and a lot of the people who were pushing it were on the conservative side, you know, and when you did have government interest, it was for America to have a way to power to to power lives and homes and industry that you know isn't going to be dependent on oil that either isn't there that we don't have access to or on domestic production that could be disturbed. So I think you know that that idea about this kind of whole earth catalog, you know, hippies before hippies, it's not exactly that. It's a little bit more interesting than that. And um as we looked into this story, you know, we started working on it last spring, right around the time of the invasion of Ukraine, and when energy really came back into the headlines um, as something that Europe was going to have to start thinking differently about, America might even have to start thinking differently about, you know, not just natural gas, but all these kinds of pipelines. And that's really is the context, I think, for Telkish's story. You know, this is about war, this is about scarcity. But not necessarily to save the planet, but because you have to. There's no other choice. And so that's kind of the world she's operating in. And, and those are her her players and the colleagues. And and that's the, you know, that's her context. Yeah. Amanda, before uh what could I, I want to talk about that more, but I feel like, first of all, I want to let our listeners know that we are talking with Amanda Pollock and Gene Tempest, and they are the filmmakers responsible for this documentary film called The Sun Queen, which will be on American Experience, which is a PBS program platform for some amazing work, and this is one of them. It'll on Beginning on Tuesday, April 4th, you'll be able to watch this through the American Experience and PBS websites and the applications and all the various ways you can go on PBS. Uh, and It's such a great uh, outlet for filmmaking and for documentary filmmaking and for just learning about the world we live in, frontline, POV, independent lens, so many. Um, I have completely neglected in some ways talking about Maria Telkish here. And because let's talk <laughs> about her, the background, uh, where she came from, what was, how was she educated? Amanda. So Maria Telkesh was born in Hungary in the year 1900. She was a scientist from a very early age. Um, she was experimenting and really um, interested in physics uh, as a young girl, chemistry and physics from a, as a young girl. And she was ed highly educated, actually, in, in Hungary as well. Jean, you should correct me if I get it all wrong. But does she have a master's? Does she, she has she, a PhD, yeah. She does have a PhD, yeah. yeah she so does. she got her PhD in Hungary before um, coming to the United States. But then she had her eye on the United States because I think she she really from an early age was a, kind of obsessed with this idea of harnessing the power of the sun and figuring out solar uh, energy. And so she kind of just pursued that very doggedly from the beginning. And she ends up in the United States and finds her way to MIT, which had a, a, depart, a program that had been set up to the Solar Energy Fund with the express goal of learning more and coming up with solutions to... Yeah. Um, uh, Gene, I want to talk about the sexual politics of this. By the description we see in the film, she was an attractive, vivacious, very outgoing woman 
in a very, very male world. Whatever angle or however you choose to, to talk about her in relationship to her colleagues and the people that she was working with. I mean, I think it comes down to how incredibly unique Maria Telkish was as a scientist at that time. You know, you're talking about her starting at MIT in the late 30s, um, right before the war. She's basically the only woman on campus. You know, this is a little bit of an overstatement, but the only woman on campus who's not somebody's secretary. Um, there were others. It's in, it's incredibly rare. You know, what was interesting to us, I think, was to try to figure out how to tell this story and how to, you know, how to place her as a woman and as a scientist in this time and as a very brilliant woman and a, and a totally brilliant scientist as well. Now, the sexual politics and, and the politics, you know, writ large about her background, about the fact that she was Hungarian, we wanted it to be a core part of the story because it had to be. And, you know, this wasn't something that we went looking for. Every time you opened a report, it's kind of smacked you in the face. The way that she's talked about by her colleagues, you know, in, in written documents, uh, always includes her gender. And in, indeed, it's, it's unfortunately, I think, not a surprise that it that it did. But at the same time, you know, kind of like you were saying, Mike, like, it's something that she is able to use to her advantage in some other context, particularly with the press. She's able to get a lot of attention um, because she is so unusual. And, you know, the sources that we talked to about this were very clear about how skilled she was with the press and how she knew exactly what she was doing. You know, she's not just a passive recipient of these kind of labels, you know, lady scientist, um, but she used them to her advantage and she used them most of the time to push solar and to bring attention to her projects. Consistently worked against her. There's no question that her sex was a problem throughout her entire career. At the same time, in this incredibly difficult context, she did, um, I think, or very tactically, use, use it any way she could to, to shine a light on, on what she was doing and on that research. And the consequences of what you just described are real. The consequences are not just internal That's politics right. at MIT That's right. or you know, some whatever institution she might have been working at. The consequences of it are the opportunity missed the opportunity for the world to be a very different place now. And at very least for solar to be a viable, consistent, robust technology that we could use. It's hard to imagine that had that research continued at the at the the acceptance of solar, getting over the hurdles of the initial kind of technological hurdles that they had to clear, we would be way past that by now. There's no question. I mean, there's no question. And I think what this story so poignantly shows is that it's not about the technology. That's not the only thing it's about. And we should remember that as we try to push for solutions for our own age today. It's about the politics. It's about who's coming up with the inventions and are they given a fair shot? Are they given funding? Is the government going to support? Who's going to pay attention? These are all much bigger questions. Right. And, you know, they could have cracked it. In some cases, they did crack a lot of the pieces that would have been needed. But that didn't end up being the problem. You know, we can figure stuff out. It's then how do we get the world to accept it? And how do we get, you know, the right people paying attention? Amanda, along those same storyline, if you will, the the presence that lingers over her story for me that is petroleum, is fossil fuel. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if she had been very successful, bet more successful in bringing tech, this technology to our attention, World War II 
probably took a lot of the momentum <laughs> out of out of what she was doing. And you look at World War II and you look at, you know, the prize of World War II for the for the victors was not only victory over fascism and totalitarianism, but also the Middle East and oil. Yeah. That was the great prize. And how much could how much could that have been averted? I don't know. We'll never know. How much of the the uh, the fascination, the uh, the attachment to fossil? Where would we be? It's just hard to know, or it's pointless to speculate. But in watching the film, I just keep keep thinking about the petroleum industry. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that that came through really as you were watching it because it was really important to us, and I think. You know, when you ask the question of why have none of us heard of Maria Telkish before now, there are sort of two things that I think come through in the film. And one is certainly sexism that she faced at MIT. And we felt like it was important to highlight that. But that, to me, was not the primary story in a way. I mean, I think she was actually so brilliant at navigating that. And getting what she needed done um, sort of around those obstacles. And we tried to kind of celebrate that aspect of her. But then the the, the real thing, the real roadblock that she hits is, is the petroleum, sort of the explosion of the petroleum industry and cheap energy starting in the 1950s. And it really is so devastating to see it because here she's dedicated her life. She's done this incredible thing, built the Dover Sun House, you know, against all odds. And then the ground just shifts completely underneath her. Nobody cares. They can get their formica counters and they're, you know, everything. So who needs solar? And and it really, I mean, Jean said it well already, but it just so underscores the way in which innovation is really about social, economic, political forces that happen underneath um, something and that can either really um, underpin it and make it succeed in some examples or totally undermine it. And in her story, um, just like what happens with with cheap energy in the 50s or quote unquote cheap energy yeah. just completely destroys the, the I don't know if, and the momentum. I don't, yeah, I don't know if anybody will ever do the study, but if you <laughs> were to go back to cheap oil cheap gasoline in the 50s going forward, the subsidies, all of the different things mm-hmm. that the industry has gotten along the way. Yeah. And you factor in what that's socially, the um, the social costs of yeah. fossil fuel. It ain't cheap, ever was. That's, uh, that's the way we, we were thinking about it. You know, that there's, Michael Pollan has this idea about cheap food, um, but it's not cheap, you know, exactly like you're saying. There's so many costs, that, you know, either medical or... Uh, Etc. Down the line, and exactly the same with this one. They're they're hidden at the time, and they're bolstered with subsidies, but it, it isn't cheap at all. Sorry, Mena. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I think that that also really gets to what I hope is kind of one of the big takeaways of the film, which is, you know, we're at a moment now where people seem sort of awakened to the dire issues around the environment and the way in which we have to conserve and think about our relationship with the earth. But they 
we're thinking in similar ways back then too. It's like all it takes is one discovery or one subsidy or one whatever to like suddenly lose that momentum. And so I do think it's kind of a cautionary tale to really look at her story and say like, okay, how do we need to make sure that we keep our eye on the ball really in terms of if we're trying to solve these problems and trying to, um, you know, live in a better relationship with our environment. Um, how do we do that? Of course, we're going to keep innovating and things are going to develop, but, you know, whatever discoveries may be coming down the pike, like they can't, hopefully they won't again, kind of take, allow us to take our eye off the ball or yeah. to sort of lose steam. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a wonderful film there. If you go to the PBS site and you go to American Experience, not only do you see there's information about Maria Telkich, but also there's background information. There's more about kind of the backstory behind solar back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and moving forward. There's a lot to, of other information. So I encourage people listening to our conversation to check it out there. But also it will be premiering on American Experience. This The Sun Queen will be on April 4th. That's Tuesday check your local listings. Uh, and uh, and then from there, I assume that it'll be available on demand in some manner of speaking. And uh, congratulations. I, 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 you know, again, I didn't know her. Now I feel like at least uh, she's someone else I can talk about. And uh, when I get given the opportunity, when somebody says, you know, we could have done this years ago, and I can say, yes, we could have done this years ago. And uh, we we had people that were out there doing it. So, Thank you both. Great. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so we've, much. We've been speaking with the director and producer. That would be Amanda Pollock, as well as the writer and producer of this wonderful documentary film that will be premiering on PBS's American Experience on Tuesday, April 4th. The film is called The Sun Queen. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.